My name is John Chafee. I was trained as a pastor and this is one of the ways in which I try to do something good with that education. This is Begin Again. So if you are looking for a nuanced or interesting take on the Jesus tradition and all of its wisdom and all of its perplexity and mystery, then you found the right place. I sincerely hope that this helps you to rethink some things, to maybe grow in your own way for health and holiness, for your benefit and for the benefit of those around you. So again, welcome to Begin Again. Okay, it is April, <laughs> oh man, it's April 17th. 2022 which means it is easter day and uh easter is an important holiday obviously but in light of that let's have a good old-fashioned man a good old-fashioned sermon how does that sound but i hope the title intrigued you i hope that the title also isn't off-putting to you but we're calling this one the reinsurrection of Jesus. Okay. And uh, I'm going to break down why that's the case, why I want to call it this, but I thought I might also just say um, Easter for me has kind of taken on new shapes over the years. Of course, at one point it was very much about getting the Cadbury eggs and getting the baskets and going to church and all of that wonderful good stuff positive memories all around, but it kind of took on a, another level um, as the years went on and certainly when my grandmother died when I was in my teenage years, but then also when my dad passed away just before COVID, Easter took on um, a very different tone. It was, yes, it was always hopeful, but the, the concreteness of it kind of stood out. And there's always levels to these religious things that we do. There's always ways in which the more life experience you have, the more some of these things unlock as being meaningful. Yes. Well, for this one, I recently was reading through uh, The Rebel by Albert Camus. Albert Camus was a French philosopher who actually passed away in a car accident supposedly weeks before he was supposed to have a baptism in a church in France. He was living in Paris at the time. But in this book called The Rebel, he, he actually alludes to the Bible very often. And he seems to kind of draw out certain things that I really had never thought about in reference to a rebel and revolution. And there's so much of it that applies, and it's so profound because most people have this idea that rebels are people that just want to disrupt things. They are seen as destructive, and they are seen as being negative. There's, I mean, in some sense, in a lot of movies, we adore them because they, they push back, you know? But the rebel is hopefully, at their best, a true rebel is someone that pushes back because there's a deep 
universal truth or value that they think it's best to uphold or die. <laughs> that they would rather die than to cross that line and to do away with that value or do away with that universal truth. And so they rebel against whatever wants to do away with that value or truth. So for instance, in modern slavery, a true rebel would see that the human person has inherent dignity in everything that they do. And so when they see a system that denies someone their dignity, the true rebel with a capital T and capital R would feel that the call you could even say there's somehow spirit in the midst of that Holy Spirit in that person inviting them to be a true rebel and push back against all that is not giving humans their dignity. Well, in that same book, it's very early on, Camus says that there's only two worlds. There is the sacred world, which is full of love and goodness and beauty and truth. And on the other side, there is the world in which we rebel against. And it's a world that does not uphold or value goodness or beauty or truth or love in its operations, in the way that it goes about things. And so there's two realms. There's the sacred realm and there's the realm to which we rebel or in which we rebel, whatever preposition you want to use. But the idea is that the true rebel is the one that's always seeking to help bring the world back to its own sacredness, to its own sanctity. And I'm like, my goodness, this is gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. And you know me, of course, I, I enjoy looking at words. And so I had to look up the word resurrection on this day. And resurrection, <laughs> let me pull it up. Resurrection, it comes from late Latin, resurge, which means to rise again. And then in late Latin, it became resurrectio. But it means to rise again, to rise again. But I was also curious, well, what does what are some other words that, that have surrection in them? And I found insurrection which means an uprising against civil authority let's but let's take it down an uprising against authority and insurrection rebels make insurrections happen rebels rebel against a world that is unsacred and they are insurrectionists for the sacred now of course <laughs> It's all interesting, right? But taken to an extreme, one of the reasons why we don't like rebels is because sometimes rebels become terrorists. They go too far, correct? Or at least the, the way in which they try to make the goodness, beauty, truth, and love possible is through very violent ends. But the true rebel doesn't do that. And I would like to, in this, just talk about how Jesus is the true rebel. Because he rose up in his life against a religion that had lost its way. The Judaism of his day. In the temple courts, it seemed like it had lost some of the 
the mojo. It lost the spirit. It lost the reality that it's supposed to be a light to the nations. And so he rebelled against that, but he tried to do it in a way that wasn't violent, but instead was quite rebellious, right? So much so that the temple leaders thought that he was a threat to their whole way of life. And so for Jesus to be the true rebel there means that he looked at the religious systems of his day and he thought this is not bringing about the goodness, beauty, truth, and love that it was supposed to. And so he rebelled against it. And this is that instance on Holy Monday of Easter week, the day after Palm Sunday, Jesus flips the tables because of all the ways that religion had gone wrong. All the ways that religion had been so close to what everything's all about, but yet still missed the point and thought that the religion was just about the religion. But then also Jesus scared the political leaders of his day. So much so that they became worried that so many people were calling this man king. Well, what do you mean he's a new leader in the line of David? David was a great king of Israel back in the, excuse me, back in the day. But that doesn't mean we want a new king to rise up. And so the political leaders of his day that were worried that maybe he would tell his people to stop paying taxes. Yeah, he was worried. He was making them incredibly worried, so much so that when the religious leaders of the day felt threatened by this man, Jesus of Nazareth, they then went to the political leaders of the day and they colluded to take him out because they were terrified of him as a true rebel. Boom. But that's because Jesus is someone that sees the world as sacred. He sees it as sacred in some places and in some places where rebellion is needed because things are not being treated sacredly. And you could very well say that uh, in a post-Christian America, there are less and less places and people and things and times that are considered sacred. And so I'm fairly certain if Jesus were to be around today walking the earth and this day and age, <laughs> he would also rebel, potentially in a different way, but he would absolutely rebel. But here's the thing. In Jesus's lifetime, he was actually doing religion quite well. I like how uh, Richard Rohr talks about him as well as John the Baptist. They were radical traditionalists. They were so devoted to their tradition. They were so middle of the road. They knew it so well that they knew when it was going wrong. And when it was going wrong, they just chose to set out on a different path, which is really quite interesting. But for Jesus's whole life, he actually was quite rebellious. He pushed back. So much so that eventually he was dragged, no wait, he was, well, <laughs> arrested, falsely accused, beaten, made to carry his uh, execution tool, if that's what you want to say, execution weapon, the cross, outside of the city of Jerusalem to be a rejected prophet, just like of old, and then to be crucified naked on top of Golgotha, which is... <laughs> uh, 
legend says it's the same place that Cain killed Abel. And so there's this divine echo or or correction of the murder of of Abel by Cain is now somehow being repeated in the murder of Jesus outside of Jerusalem in which I think James Cohn is correct we can say that Jesus was was lynched by the leaders of his day made to be an example of all those that choose to follow his rebellion but this is why Easter is so fascinating okay is because on Easter day we find these stories in which women were the first people to go and, and actually pay tribute to Jesus. All the men had scattered away in fear and shame, maybe. And Mary Magdalene meets Jesus and she runs back. And so she becomes the first apostle, the first one sent with this news, this good news of Jesus having been raised from the dead, resurrected. And so she actually is the apostle to the apostle. She goes and finds the men who are hidden behind locked doors, terrified, and tells them Jesus is resurrected. He is risen up again. And that's the point. That's what I want to get at today. In Jesus' whole life, he always did resurrection. He always was rising up against things when they were going wrong. He was always rising up against people and systems that did not treat one another or the world in sacred ways. He always rose up against and they killed him for it. And then he rose up again with the same exact mission to help make the world sacred again, to be the first fruits of a new creation, like a seed that was buried in the ground. And here's the first sprout of a new harvest. A new world is being born in which all things, all people, all times are created and treated as sacred. That in the past, wherever there was division, Wherever there was racism or classism or sexism, whenever there was a form of exclusion or hierarchy, Jesus seemed to come along and challenge that by having women sit at his feet, by listening to non-Jewish people as they would talk to him about faith, by, my goodness, by talking to people no matter what caste society they were a part of. He always seemed to be inclusive. And so he was actually always being quite rebellious, quite an insurrectionist. But then in his resurrection, he invites all of us into the same task of being divine insurrectionists in the same way. Because it's true. There are two worlds. There's one world that is sacred and there is another one in which we rebel. There is one world in which all people, all genders, all ages, all the hierarchies are done away with. In this sense, not to say that there shouldn't be order, but the sense of, is there more dignity for the people at the top than at the bottom? Are all people actually treated equally? Can we actually say 
that maybe God's not so much interested in hierarchies as he is in holarchies. That's a word. Look that one up about how all of us are actually holes that together make up holes. I'm a person, you're a person, but together we make up with others a community. And that community and my community and that other community, we come together and we make a state or a country or a world. And so there's really not hierarchies, there's holarchies of which there's whole people unseparated from one another that are integrated, that are, um, you could say, desegregated, that are together. And so this whole thing is fascinating because up until Easter Day, Jesus could have been seen as a rebellious rabbi. And some people, even before he died, considered him God. But then afterwards, more people understood him as being God incarnate. And so that actually tells me this. And maybe you can riff this out with me just for a moment. God is rebellious. <laughs> God is rebellious for the right reasons. Wherever God sees that there is a, a lack or the disapproval of goodness, beauty, truth, and love, God walks into that space and he rebels. And then he invites his Holy Spirit to go into people who then they become people that rebel whenever they're a part of a system or a world or a neighborhood or a group that does not give one another dignity. He invites people to rise up. Oh, just like that word resurrection, insurrection. And so Jesus was an insurrectionist before Easter. But he was kind of a re-insurrectionist. He was an insurrectionist again. He rose up to rise up again. I like that phrase. Before Easter, he rose up against abusive religious and uh, political systems to help reinstill dignity and goodness and beauty and truth and love in the world. And then after, he was a he rose up again again. Because not even death could hold him down. And so Jesus is even a divine rebel against even death, decay, despair. And so we live in this tension. We live in this reality that there are some things around us that are sacred. And then there are other things around us that need to be rebelled against because they are not sacred. And I think I would like to just wager this simple thought. Christianity from the start was always supposed to be about creating true rebels. People that rose up in favor of goodness and beauty and truth and love and inclusion and dignity and justice and poetry and music and do we say community there's all these beautiful wonderful things because actually god is more interested in helping set the world right he's actually more interested in setting the whole world right than he is in letting it continue in the way that it was and what we find 
is that it's not just about the world. It's also about what's happening within us. That the Christ saw that within us, we were not valuing our own goodness, beauty, truth, and love within us. We weren't treating it sacred. And so he invites us to recognize, to wipe the the dirt from our eyes and to see that it's true. That there is dignity to being a human person. That there is goodness, beauty, truth, and love that can only be born in the world through you. That there is goodness, beauty, truth, and love in the world that can only be born through me. And so Easter, at least this year, has taken on a different tone. Previously, it was joyful, but now it's taken on more. When my dad passed away, it was even more so about overcoming life. And it's not that it's not any of those things previously. It's now it's expanded to include oh, Easter is a divine insurrection against all the disorder of this world. And so, <laughs> this Easter, may you be rejuvenated. May you be reinvigorated. May you be inspired in your own particular way. To rebel, you know, to be a true rebel with a capital T and a capital R that's inspired by the Holy Spirit to actually be someone that's in this world who follows after the likeness and the habits of this person, Jesus of Nazareth. To be an insurrectionist, just like he, he is. May we all come to realize that Easter also doesn't have to be once a year. But instead, Easter can be something that we celebrate every single day, in every single moment, whenever we say, we will not give in to the old order of things where hatred and jealousy and violence and war and treating people without dignity, that whole world, we celebrate Easter by pushing back against it, by praying for it, by living in it as examples of a different world because we know not only is a different world uh, started, it's already happening. And we'll get there <laughs> with God's help, of course. But the new world, the new creation has already started. May you this Easter be a true rebel who listens to the Holy Spirit, who follows in the image and likeness of God and of Jesus of Nazareth. And my goodness, may you embody and help create goodness, beauty, truth, and love no matter where you go. All right? <laughs> be a true rebel just like Christ. Happy Easter, everyone. Uh, may grace and peace be with you this Easter season.